Guys, welcome back to the episode of Rosenballs. We are talking right after the lottery. This is Wednesday. Um, so the lottery just happened yesterday. I want to I want to get to the lottery. I want to talk about um, obviously game one, the Celtics heat a little bit. Quick thoughts there. So I'll start there. Just get that out of the way. Yeah, I'm not worried at all uh, for Boston in this series. I did not expect them to win game one. That's a tough. A situation. It's a two-day turnaround. They have no time for prep. Smart and Horford uh, couldn't play, and I thought they could have won that game. They're obviously up a lot in the first in the first half. Uh, you got a few more bodies that could do it, and you know, not a bad thing. Showing me Smith um, some confidence as well. He could, you know, potentially be helpful for them down the road. So don't don't feel bad about it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Butler goes off, and I'll take Butler going off for game one in a game that, that's going to be a difficult game. That's not the problem for me. The problem is going to be, you know, later down the line uh, if he shows up. So, look, I actually think a good bet right now is uh, Celtics at five. It pays 10 to one. Now, if you're going to go that route, you might as well just bet the Celtics to win each game, the next four games, money line. I think you'll, you'll probably make more money doing it that way. But, you know, if you like future series prices and that kind of guy, uh, you bet Celtics in five. I still feel confident about it. Uh, Dallas Golden State, real quick, just to kind of color on that series, and we'll get to the lotto. Um, I... That should also, look, look, Dallas, I think, is paying, playing over their head. That team is just not as talented. They unlock something. Maybe. Is Luka really that good? Probably. Um, curious what happens there. I, I just, I can't see. I think it was more that Dallas showed flaws in the teams that they played. Utah and Phoenix. Utah, I think, was a classic team where they knew there was going to be changes in the offseason. And they're not. You know, and they lost Joe Inglis, and I don't think that was a that was a good that was a great matchup for Dallas. Um, I think Utah was already thinking like, what's happening this offseason next year, ready to ready to have that break. And Phoenix, I think, was just an entitled team. I think they overrated the fact that they made the finals last year in a kooky year, and they're acting like they won five titles already, and they coasted and stuff, and the team's not as good. And I think Devin Booker is a flawed player. I know he was an MVP candidate. He's a good player, but, like, he, he's not a number one guy in a contending team. Chris Paul was that guy. Uh, and then they had the whole DeAndre Ayton thing, which is a whole separate thing of what they should do there. Fine. I'm going to deep dive on a lot of a little bit because that's what we're more about. That's more exciting. So Orlando wins the lottery. And I've said this before, and I've said it again. It's rare in NBA history. It's not super rare. It happens probably, I don't know, two to four times a decade. So 40, 33% of the time, let's call it. Every other, every third year, maybe every fourth year. Where you have what I call an unequivocal number one pick. You have a guy who uh, should be a no-doubter number one. And as someone that we, we follow, we know maybe as much as one year to two years in advance. 
okay? And I'm just talking about this talent-wise. Like you see a guy, you're like, oh my God, I can't wait for the, you know, 2029 draft when this guy is going to come out, right? You talk about him years in advance. And I'm going to give you the examples of, of such players in recent memory. It's not the guy, by the way, who, like, consensus has him going number one like a month before. It's more like talent-wise, consensus has him a year in advance going number one. All right? So let's kind of go through the list, shall we? So since the you – know, again, I'm gonna, not going to age myself. Since the 80s, I think you had Akeem Olajuwon, or Akeem, right, 84. People knew. They saw in college years, right? He was going to go one. David Robinson had a Navy a couple years later in 89, right, 88, 89. Right? And then there's like a break, and then I think 92 was Shaq. You saw this beast. You're like, oh my god, the center is going to do some damage. And he was unequivocal, and that was actually back-to-back years, because 93, I think Chris Webber, I'm not talking about his NBA career, I'm talking about, again, what he did leading up, would have been unequivocal number one. You saw him in college, the guy was just a monster. Um, and again, and the, and the proof there, by the way, is Orlando got three, three future firsts. Just to swap one and two. So that tells you, like, that's such a big gap between one and two if you're, if you're doing three future firsts to, to bridge that gap in a trade. Um, I, I'm debating. Do you go back? Like, Glenn Robinson was definitely a guy that a lot of people had for a long time. Big dog. Glenn Robinson. So, again, the unequivocal number one does not always pan out. Right? It's not always a... A Hall of Fame guy. I think Glenn Robinson's close to that. Allen Iverson wasn't. He was closer, you know, in his college years, but it wasn't like years and years in advance. And a lot of people like Marcus Camby in that draft, so it's not 96. 97, Tim Duncan, absolutely, right? So the Celtics and T and others, um, I mean, Tim Duncan was such an unequivocal number one. You had, obviously, the Celtics tanked for him, and people were, like, so proud that Emil Carr was losing. Uh, and then he had Rick Pitino take a job. This is a rarity. He took the Celtics job because he had a 50% chance of landing Duncan. That's an unequivocal number one. That might be the most unequivocal number one pick uh, over the last 40 years is Tim Duncan in 97. We're, we're, everyone knew that like well, well advanced. You're not moving that pick. And then I think it takes a bit of a hiatus, right? Like... It definitely wasn't Elton Brandt. It wasn't Alo Kondi, right? Any of those guys. Um, obviously, Alo Kondi was a bust, so it's not going to be him. 2000 was a funky draft. I've got Kwame Brown. I think you got to... Uh, Yao Ming is a question, right? Because, like, but liked him, but he was an unknown. So, like, you had that little factor. And it's still, like, international players were coming out, but not from, from, you know, Pacific Asia region. So there was a bit of a question there. 03 LeBron. Was a no-doubter as well. I mean, there was some talk, very light talk, about who would be better, him or Carmelo. But, again, it was uh, it was really, really light, really light talk. Um, so that's that's 03, okay? And then I think you have then a couple of years. And, again, be, there's less of the unequivocal number one, if you will, because of the one and done, right? So you have less time to see somebody where, like, in Duncan's case, if he plays four years at Wake Forest... You have, a, you have a, a nice chunk to really see this guy and know what he's going to be. So the unequivocalness actually de- decreases because less time. Fine. I think the next one is 07, and this is where 
um, you know, come back to bite you again in terms of, you know, how well they are. But I think Greg Oden was actually an unequivocal, unequivocal number one. There was a, a bit of a debate with Durant or Oden. That was the clear two, top two. But a, a lot of people liked Oden. There wasn't... No one was really mentioning the injury risk to the concern. There was a ESPN article, he could win 10 rings. I mean, and again, that's... So that's... What did people say? Bust, if you will. You know, injuries hurt him, but I wouldn't... I would say that's what it was. It wasn't like a, a blunder. They got extremely unlucky, right? Portland did. Uh, a lot of people had Odin, number one. They really liked him. And then again, it, it goes slower right after that. And I think the next one, you could maybe make a case for Andrew Wiggins. Okay, maybe. I mean, there was a lot of what I called rigging for Wiggins. Just tanking for Wiggins. I, I, we see, we saw a lot of that. Minnesota did move Kevin Love, who was at the prime of his career for him. Uh, so Wiggins is a question for me, whether he was unequivocal, unequivocal number one. But Zion Williamson was probably the most recent, right? And again, history is going to dictate whether, you know, people were right or wrong about that. But again, people knew well in advance this guy's a clear-cut number one. Everyone was looking Zion, Zion, and the lottery, right? It was very, very obvious. Okay. And the guy, there was a guy on that, so through history, I would say there's probably one guy that we didn't mention that should have been and on a cool call number one, and, and I'm going to make the comparison. And that guy's Luka Doncic, right? Like, and there's no excuse for it. There was no excuse for Luka dropping in that draft. Um, again, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. The Marvin Bagley selection by Sacramento, taking him over Luka, has got to be the biggest draft day blunder. Like, bad GMing, poor selection in the history of the league, right? Because every other scenario could make a case. You know, Bowie over Jordan, I can make the case, right? Um, you know, wings weren't really coming up in the league yet. You know, bigs were dominating the league. They had Clyde Drexler. I, I can make a case. But I can't make a case. Even at the time, everyone knew it. Um, and, and, and bigs were on their way down, especially, you know, bigs that, that couldn't defend the rim or shoot the three. So the Bagley pick was was... Was weird and Luca like how did he not go one even in retrospect like Phoenix I get they took Aiden I get it but um, it's not like a bust but again we, we all we have we have resources now this isn't like the 80s with foreign players coming in we know them you know he was dominating a, a, a pro league that's the second best pro league better than college than the Euro League and dominating it at his age and his skill set translated but the reason why he fell. And all against a whole racial thing here was because he looked slow, looked slow. And, you know, people just have these perceptions and stereotypes. And he's a foreigner, he looked a little doughy, and they're like, that's not going to work in the NBA. And, you know, sometimes you got to put your stereotypes in check and be like, hold on a second. If his name was, you know, Jamal Williams, does he go one? And you just convert if Luca. You know, we're, we're a different skin tone, whatever. And, 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 you know, where would he go? And he would absolutely go number one. It'd be no, it would be unequivocal. He'd be just like the rest of the guys I said. Unequivocal. By the way, Anthony Davis may be on that list uh, as well um, of unequivocal number ones. So I bring this up because 
this is another time where you should have an unequivocal number one, a no-doubter. And that's Chet Holmgren, okay? He doesn't have a flaw. The guy's 7172 maybe. I get he's thin, but people bulk up when they come to the NBA. They don't do the opposite. Look at Zion. If they're thick coming into the NBA, they're probably not going to lose weight. That's harder to do. Some maybe. But if that's like an issue, that's a, that's a legit issue. But if they need to bulk up, they can bulk up. And he's done it. Like, this, this, he's got potential to be unguardable, right? You, you talk about a five who could play make and, and bring up the ball even at times and run an offense through him. And people are going to have their misconceptions. They're already hard. They're like, okay, well, Chet's a five. You're going to have to give him the ball. And then make... Not necessarily. Not at all. He could totally create and play make. At that size, it could be a, a nightmare matchup. Um, a guy that size who shoot the three, rim protect. I mean, everything that he does, absolute franchise changer. Now, your concerns could be, well, like, well that body holds up injury-wise. My take on that, like, that's always the elf in the room with anybody. But if he hasn't gotten injured yet, he hasn't had suffered any major injuries at college and stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the risk there. Because he's got the skill set to be an all-time talent. There's no question. And no one else in this draft is even close. Like all the other guys have far scarier downsides to be Jabari Smith. Right? I, I've made this comparison before. He could shoot well, defend. Ah, is he Marvin Williams? Right? I mean, like, he could be a solid NBA player, but he's not, like, an old-time talent. Like, he, he scares me. Paolo Banquero. Okay? Great talent. He could be like Blake Griffin, maybe. But Blake Griffin, in today's NBA, he can't play the center. So you can put him at the four. Can't shoot well enough. He's got to improve his shot. I mean, he's got to do a lot of things that are a huge if. And defensively, I get nervous, right? So there's way bigger holes with everybody going out. But you have one guy who I think it's a coin flip whether he's going to be an all-time talent. And that's absolutely a risk you take at one. And it is crazy that we're seeing any mocks or any doubt that he's not number one. Um, And because of that, it makes... uh, I'm not saying Orlando's going to move the pick or anything like that, but it makes them... if, If they're even thinking... Other teams should take advantage. So, you know, and again, in the NBA, as a, as a good GM, you got to look at market inefficiencies. So, if this is supposed to be like '93, where Weber comes out, and to get him, I have to move number two and three first. Okay, '93, fine. You know, the guy was unequivocal, right? But now, if that market is less than that, and I'm not saying. If you have the number two, you trade the second and the three first. But if I could, if there's a way to even hint to them, I'm, I'm calling up Orlando. And I'm giving them an aggressive offer because I know he's an unequivocal number one pick. And let's see what, uh, what they do from it. But uh, after the break, we'll talk about the specific moves Orlando could look at and, and discuss the rest of the, the lotto. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to Rosenball. So we're really focusing, again, how unequivocal Chet is as that number one. And if you're another team, just sniff around. All right. And obviously, we're going to talk a lot about the lot, a lot about the draft. This won't be the first pod about the draft. And we're not going to go through a whole big board and all that. I want to focus on one and, and, and you know, how the draft shook out and how different teams should look at it. Fine. So 
in my uh, humble opinion, I think there's a couple teams that fell. And people shouldn't uh, fall into this fallacy of, like, you know, how things shook out. It is what it is. So my first example is with Detroit. If you're Detroit, you're like, well, we we kind of ha- we had the we had tied for the best odds. Why are we going to trade up? I'm sorry, it is what it is. So now Orlando holds this one, and you hold five. That's the nature. And I think the team that needed to land Chet the most were were the Pistons. Uh, and another argument can be made for OKC. You know, they're doing this experiment, and and you know, uh, Woj mentioned it on on the NBA Countdown show. Um, how they're doing this kind of you know experiment, and it's a big deal for them. I don't disagree, um, and they got the second pick, but and they should they should do they should also try to move up, right? So, what are the moves these teams should do, and, and all that, right? So, a couple things. So, actually, uh, I'm actually going to start with OKC because OKC has so many picks. If Orlando's even thinking, man, I don't know, right? Whatever, OKC should easily move. The second pick, they have a bunch of future firsts. They have 12. They could put a package together with that group to, to get the number one. And then if Orlando is is wavering and they're like, well, kind of like Jabari Smith, they look like heroes because they're like, okay, great. Take Chet. We got our guy, and now we got far more, more assets. That's absolutely a move um, Orlando should do. If they're even a 50-50 if you're Orlando and it's a 50-50 in your head, Chet or Smith, you do that trade. Let let the OKC Thunder make the decision for you, okay? Because if you're happy either way, well, happy with Smith or happy with Chet, if you if that's your debate, if you're Orlando, trade with OKC. Because I think OKC will definitely value Chet a lot more. So the most obvious swap deal for me would be OKC. And then OKC... Now you look better because you're like, well, we, you know, all those assets that we accumulated, we're going to deal them to the Orlando Magic. It justifies your asset, um, you know, accumulation. And I don't think you have to move giddy or shy in that deal. So it's great. You could probably do 2 and 12. But at the very least, you could at least do 2-12 and, like, throw in a random future first here, random future first there, whatever it might be, right? So that's... The obvious team. And they have a bunch of assets, and there's a lot of things they could do there. You could throw Theo Maladon, whatever. Great. The less obvious team to me is the Detroit Pistons. So the, here's a deal I just thought of that I think makes sense. Now, you got to learn from the Luka move, right? Because, again, they, they swapped and they moved a future pick to swap Young and Luka. I, I get nervous about that because I'm not saying, well, I think Chet's an unequivocal number one. I don't think he makes the team um, two things. He doesn't make the team good enough overnight to then not be in the lottery. So you're still going to be a lottery team probably his first year. Okay? You still need – I'm just thinking he's a better building piece. However, the move I consider – and I'm not saying like I love – I actually think both teams – this is good for both teams. Again, especially Orlando if if they're debating. And I'm going to get a lot of knock for this. Cade Cunningham and five for Jalen Suggs and the number one pick. So again, it, it, you you know, if you're Detroit, it's a big risk, right? You're, you're moving Cade. But 
I got Hayes. I have, um, you know, Sadiq Bey. I just think, and I still got Grant. I just think moving forward, I'd rather have the basis of Suggs and Chet. Now, that's not a slam dunk deal for Detroit. It's not slam dunk by any means. That would be, I would have to think about that further, quite frankly, if I'm Pistons GM. Um, but, like, there's a world, you know, Cade got hurt a little bit. He didn't have the, the best rookie year. He showed enough flashes for me to be interested and exciting. But I don't, I get nervous a little bit about him, and I feel better if you, I'm comparing, you know, I'd rather have it, it, Cade versus Chet. To me, there's a, a n- number of a gap there where that gap makes up the difference of Suggs and five. I think Suggs was misused in Orlando. So I put him at the one. He could play with Hayes in a backcourt. That makes me feel better about him. Um, and I think I, I could, you know, unca- and then I could get something from Sug- Suggs. will be year two. Um, and if I'm Detroit, I, I, I kind of double down with it where I don't, I'm not ready to then, you know, put money into free agency, guys like Tyus Jones and, and that stuff. I kind of hold back for a year. I see how good Chet is. I see how good Suggs is, right? I, I kind of have to reevaluate. I get another top five pick, and then I, I, uh, you, you know, look at free agency and stuff. So it would require Detroit to, you know, not, uh, not move up so much. And and I do that because I'm not as enthralled by. I think there's a gap, right? I'm not as, uh, Keegan Murray's not going to be that guy. Um, and I don't want to build around that. I don't want to, you know. Building around Cade, you know, Murray, A.J. Griffin, uh, you know, that group um, would make me nervous. So, to me, those are the two teams. Sacramento at four, I think they're going to move out. I think they, they would love a, a, a win-now talent. I could totally see four in homes for, for Rudy Gobert. Um, I, I just don't think there's a guy there. Maybe, you know, they're not going to be enthralled with Ivy, Right. But I think those are the two teams. I think Detroit and OKC. And and these are the times you got to make the moves to do franchise altering stuff. You're not Detroit's not, still not going anywhere. Like you got to really ask yourself: Is Cade really a superstar guy? Now, if you're Orlando, again, you got Smith. Now you have Cade as a wing. You have Cole Anthony. I mean, I, I could, you know, you could still keep Wendell Carter there. And if you're Orlando, the way teams work is they're like, okay, what's my starting five, right? You, you have an unknown with Jonathan Isaac right now. Okay? Isaac's an unknown. So I could roll out a five-man unit of Cole Anthony, uh, Cade, Wagner, Smith, and Wendell Carter Jr. I, I, I already convinced them. Orlando's like, well, sign me up. And if you're Detroit, it's, it's a little clunky. So there's a risk. But going into the lineup, and then for Detroit, I'm probably going in with Suggs. Um, you know, and I have a question mark at the two already. Maybe I go Hayes, Suggs, Bay, Grant, Chet. There's a little more uncertainty there. But again, I think you have to ask yourself, uh, if you're Detroit, Kate Cunningham has all of the, and this is why he's a great, I hate to say a target, but a hard guy to trade. Is he has all the intangibles that that play like he's a great leader. I saw him, you know, trying to protect uh, beef stew after the LeBron, you know, fight and stuff. He definitely has those leadership qualities. But I I, I question, and look, if he gets a shot there, he, he could definitely be there. I like Kate, but to me, it's just Chet, Chet's ridiculous. 
and he he could does he ha- he could be in that level of a Luga or, or a Luca or Giannis, and those guys are just too rare, and you gotta you gotta make the deal. 